0: Time to talk NBA Draft now with Chad Ford. He joins us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Chad, good morning. Good morning. So, Chad, here comes the NBA Draft You feel like this has been obscured a little bit, overlooked, the late finals, into the Olympics. It seems like there's a lot less hype for the second straight year.
1: Yeah, you know, maybe because I'm immersed in the draft, I certainly don't feel that way. I mean, Cade Cunningham is a big buzz name right now. This is one of the best drafts that we've had at the top in a really long time. Uh, I do think that, some of these players maybe don't quite have the same cachet uh, that maybe they normally would, like Jalen Green, for yeah. example, or Jonathan Kaminga because they played in the G League, not in college basketball. But uh, I, I think this is an incredible draft, and uh, I, I certainly, on, on my site, seen enormous interest uh, increase in interest over last year.
0: Really? All right. Well, see, that may just go to the local bias of the Jazz drafting 30 and having no shot at Cade Cunningham whatsoever.
1: Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to get excited about the thirtieth pick in any draft. And I think especially this year, there's sort of a cutoff in this draft about where I think the talent really lies that cuts off unfortunately, you know, five, six picks before the Jazz are selecting at thirty. And so I you know, I know just didn't even, you know, talking talking to the Jazz, it's it's tough to get super excited about the 30th pick in this draft. I mean, that's normally the case, but I think it's definitely the case this year as well.
0: Okay, but we've seen so many years where when you go back and redraft the draft, the guy who should have been picked high went 10 or 20 or 30 spots later because nobody spotted who he was. Right. Do you think this draft is going to be just absolutely nails and, and be the unusual draft that goes in the order it should? Or teams are so good at developing players that we're just always going to have guys sliding and you know, finding a Kawhi Leonard in the teens, which granted isn't where the Jazz are picking, but finding a Kawhi Leonard or a Donovan Mitchell or a Giannis Antetokounmpo or whoever, they're they're going to be awesome players who aren't going in the top three or top five like they did in the 80s when everything was locked down.
1: Yeah, you know, every year you find you know, Jens late in the first and even the second. Desmond Bain went uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies with the 30th pick in the draft last year. I mean, so you can point to that and say, okay, here's a chance. But like I know last year, the Jazz liked the bottom of the draft more than they did this year. They, They thought that the strength of last year's draft wasn't necessarily at the top but the incredible depth as you got into the 20s and 30s. And I think teams are feeling less confident about that this year. Now, is there the possibility that one of these uh, young players could turn into a star. You know, we were talking about Brandon Boston, who was ranked number 11 at the top of our board. He's going to be there. JT Thor out of Auburn, who probably would have been a lottery pick in next year's draft if he had stayed in for a year, is going to be there. I mean, there's some prospects there. I think part of the problem for the Jazz is that they don't really have the, the time or roster space to really develop a young player who's particularly raw. They would prefer someone who could come and help them right now. And they also are going to have some financial crunches when they re-sign, hopefully, Mike Conley uh, this summer. That are, means they're going to have to be very careful with how they use their their money. And so I think for those reasons, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Jazz ultimately just decide to trade out of this draft, um, get a future asset, and, and hope that that asset is better than the 30th pick in the draft in, in, in years to come. And it saves them a little bit of money and, You know, frankly, you know, Utah has got some young players, whether that's Doku or um, uh, even Elijah Hughes, who they drafted last year, that that really they struggled to develop last year. And those guys would probably be ahead of whoever they drafted this year as far as that, you know, development priority came anyway. And so I expect that most likely scenario is Jazz trade out. Probably second best scenario is maybe they find a deal and move up in the draft. Uh, where they can actually find a a difference maker. I think that would be appealing uh, to Utah if they could do it. I think if they could get in the high 20s or late teens, then that's a very, very different equation about what type of player might be available to them. Um, But I I think probably the least likely scenario for me right now is that the Jazz actually draft and keep the 30th pick in the draft.
0: So how are you supposed to do a mock draft if you don't even know which team is picking where? Because apparently the Jazz aren't the only team expected to be Making a deal.
1: Well, that, it's funny that you ask. I just wrote this in my column today that I've never, in all my years of covering the draft, and unfortunately I'm an old man, so it's been there for a while, I've never seen so much, so many picks for sale or teams trying to move up or down in the draft. It looks like a typical second round. Five out of the first seven picks uh, might change hands. Uh, the Magic are looking at trading at eight. The Kings are definitely shopping nine. The Hornets have talked, the multiple teams, about 11. The Pacers have been shopping 13. The Warriors have been very open about 7 and 14 being for sale. Uh, and you can just go on and de- down the list with the Knicks and Lakers and what have you. And so the opportunities for the Jazz to move up are there. There's lots of teams selling. Uh, and, you know, it's just just what are you willing to offer to get up in the draft? And is drafting a rookie the right thing for the Jazz going forward? And, and I think if they could get, like I said, in the late teens or early 20s, I think that there there might be a really good argument that that is going to be the cheapest way for the Jazz to be able to address some of their needs, you know, especially like maybe defensively on the wings, uh, than then you know trying to hit the free agent market and find someone that way.
0: So you mentioned already that some of the hype for some of these players isn't what it could be because they weren't playing college basketball and we couldn't see them. They were in the G League. Can you state confidently that it is uh, better for guys to go to the G League, more development takes place there, it is better to go to college basketball and be under the spotlight, even though the coach is trying to win now and development? I mean, yeah, I want to develop you, but I need to win now. Uh, that's an attitude for a lot of coaches. What do you think? And and given the fact that the G League hasn't really been the G League the last two years, do you even want to answer this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we know yet. Uh, I would say that NBA scouts were overall impressed with the G League, and they thought the level of competition was higher than college basketball. They liked that these players were learning pro sets um, right away. You know, the college basketball game is not the same as the NBA game, and so they thought that some of the players were – Um, not learning bad habits that they often learn in college because that's what, you know, success in college is, but you can't do that in the NBA. Uh, On the other hand, I think that, and this was a weird year because, frankly, most college players didn't get this either, that, you know, the year to be able to socialize and be in college and all the sort of growth that that, that comes from that, I think typically scouts think there's some value in that. Now this year, because of COVID, it was a very different different situation, especially for the freshmen, and they probably didn't get to enjoy, uh, you know, much of that, uh, unfortunately. But I think overall, teams are not at all discouraged about the G League. I think they think that, you know, look, if these young men can come and improve themselves against NBA veterans, against people that were drafted, you know, in the first and second rounds of the draft, that if they can do it there, then that that's a much easier uh, uh, connect the dots to the NBA than it is understanding, you know, what someone does at Kentucky and how that necessarily translates one way or the other to the NBA.
0: Now, I could ask you several more things about this, and there are more things I want to know, but how much is it a moot point? At what point are 18-year-olds going to be able to be drafted again so that people can go from high school straight to – they don't need to go to college or the G League. They can just go straight to the NBA. How far off is that?
1: The NBA wants it. They've wanted it for a number of years. The problem is the Players Association – which which has veterans, that those guys come in and take, take your jobs. And so, you know, you're always trying to figure out there's always more protection from the player side than there is obviously from the NBA side. And I, I eventually think that this will get done. I think that the Players Association just wants something from the NBA in return. And so far the NBA hasn't been willing to give up anything for that sort of negotiation point. And so the G League was a bit of a compromise in – that it allows NBA to get their hands on these prospects earlier uh, without having to really deal with the NBA players association. But I I fully suspect the next time that there's collective bargaining, this will be a major point for the NBA and and that you'll just see players going directly uh, to the NBA now. But I, I think in the meantime, the G league is a really nice step. I think it's better than players going over to Australia or going over to Europe and trying to figure it out, figure it out that way. And look, college is always going to be a viable option for players, especially now uh, that they can be, uh, you know, pay, paid for their endorsements. Uh, that's that's going to make life a lot more attractive for college stars that have been frustrated in the past that they can't earn any money uh, while they're in college.
0: Chad Chad Ford, NBA draft expert and proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast, is joining us here to talk about the NBA draft. I'm curious what you think of the foreign players in this draft. I think it's lost on no one. that While Luka Doncic is incredibly exciting, in addition to him, the NBA MVP, Jokic, foreign player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Finals MVP, foreign player, also a two-time MVP, there is a whole generation of foreign players who are kicking butt and taking names. So are there more in this draft?
1: Yeah, this isn't the strongest international draft, but I think that there is three players that are all getting looks in the lottery. Not not in the high end. I don't think we're going to see, you know, the fifth pick in the draft. Though you know, Jonathan Kaminga um, is an international player that just came over to the United States early and was playing in high school the last couple of years. But I, I think that you start with Alperen Sengun, uh, the Turkish big man. He's 18 years old, and this this just blows my mind. He won MVP. Of the Turkish League, not some junior division, the Senior Turkish League, which is probably one of the two or three best leagues in Europe right now at 18 years old. that Only only a player like Luka Doncic has really done anything like that before. The problem with Sengun is that he's sort of a more traditional, old-school big man. Uh, and, you know, some teams wonder how exactly that's going to translate to the NBA right now, which is spreading the floor, using small ball fives. Can he stay on the floor defensively? But this young man is incredibly gifted offensively. There's some Nikola Jokic uh, in his game. He's not as big as Jokic, and, and I think that matters. But there's some of that just sort of basketball savantness in the way that he plays the game. Josh Giddy is a big point guard, point forward out of Australia, who's really intriguing as well. One of the best passers in this draft at six eight, which is you know really impressive. Uh, and had a really big pro debut in Australia this year, played exceptionally well for an 18-year-old. But he lacks an elite jump shot and, you know, questions about his where he plays defense in the NBA are, are legitimate. And then Usman Garuba, who's playing literally on one of the best teams in Europe, Real Madrid, and is their defensive stopper, is a big man who really doesn't have much offense, but he's a terrific athlete and a terrific engaged defender. And some fans may have actually seen him in a in a scrimmage in Las Vegas against Team USA, where he was guarding and giving problems to Kevin Durant uh, from Team USA. And so there's a those are the three guys that I think will hear their names somewhere in the late lottery, mid first round. All of them, I think, are really interesting prospects. But unfortunately, no, no Luka Doncic this year.
0: So the Final Four had some uh, some pretty good basketball players in there. Where are they going to slot in this draft, and how do you project them as the Final Four? Gonzaga and Baylor, they're they're well represented.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jalen Suggs is going to be the first of that of that group off the board, uh, and you know he's going to go anywhere from four to four to five probably in this draft. I think his draft range is actually pretty tight. He'll either go to Toronto at, at four or the Magic at five, sort of barring a trade. And I think people see him as one of the surest things in this draft. He's tough. Uh, He's got a quarterback mentality as a point guard, can play both positions, excellent athlete, needs to improve his jump shot. But overall, I I think people see him as a very, very high-level prospect uh, in the draft. Davian Mitchell, uh, who was the point guard at Baylor, obviously very intriguing, uh, one of the best on the ball, if not the best on the ball defender in college basketball last year, gets. Um, some comparisons to Donovan Mitchell that, you know, physically there's a lot of similarities between them. The Davion's a little bit smaller and because he's a little bit smaller, he's sliding a little bit further down in the draft. I think his range starts with the Warriors at seven and then, you know, goes down to about 14. And, and then, you know, Jared Butler, uh, who was uh, the most outstanding player in the final four, uh, is a terrific guard. He can play both backcourt positions and absolutely a guy that the Jazz might target if they can get up into the late teens and early 20s. Had a little bit of a medical scare when he came into the combine. They actually held him out, and it was an undisclosed medical condition, but it went on for several weeks before the NBA cleared into play. So teams have gotten a little bit sketch on him and just about what his, what his health holds, but I think That means he slid from late lottery down into the late teens or, you know, 20s, uh, where I think he has huge value. I think he's going to be a really, really good player in the league.
0: I'm curious, and you've touched on this with the Jazz, but about needing, you know, veteran help, win now. I'm curious if anybody among the elite Western teams, which I realize could be half the Western Conference, but Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, Jazz, Warriors, uh, are any of these teams going to find immediate help in the draft? Are any of them poised for that? Or is it everyone's adding projects and nobody yeah. we see is going to be making a dent in the second round of the playoffs next year?
1: I, well, I think there's two things to say about that. One, um, I'm not sure that you ever find immediate help from rookies uh, in the draft. Even when rookies put up big numbers, uh, they tend to do it in a very inefficient way. If you look at plus-minus numbers for rookies on their teams, it's almost always negative. Uh, it, it's hard to say a rookie can win. Not that, not that they can't have a, a, a solid season, but it, it's hard for them to, to say they're going to help you win. And one great example of that was Tyrese Halliburton, who had an incredible rookie season at Sacramento, um, absolutely helped the Kings, and still couldn't really make a dent in their win-loss win, win, record uh, last year. And so I think if teams are looking for immediate help and that this team, this player is going to help us win a bunch of basketball games next year, I think it's really, really hard to find in the draft. Now, I do think that you have to look at the totality of what a player might do. And if it's playing 10 to 15 minutes a night, just you know giving your starters some rest and and being able to come in and play competent basketball, then I do think that there's some help here. I think at the top of the draft, everybody's swinging for the fences. I think when you start getting into the late, uh, late lottery in mid first round, you have some teams with really strong playoff ambitions, whether that's the Pacers or the Warriors or the Knicks, uh, for for example, or the Pelicans, who just made a big deal. And they're going to be after the guys like Davian Mitchell, Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. We didn't talk about him. Maybe the best shooter in this draft. Um, Chris Duarte out of Oregon, who's a guy who's 24 years old already, but teams really see him as a defensive monster. Uh, And and I just really think it depends on where teams are at and what they're thinking, but my general rule of thumb is whether they're 18 years old or 22 years old, they're probably not going to help you win a lot of basketball games in year one. It's just a big, big transition to the NBA.
0: So making that trade with the Pelicans, did the Grizzlies set themselves up for three years from now? Could they have a young core and is inevitably the 30-somethings age out of the NBA? Are the Grizzlies poised for a big leap in a couple of years?
1: Yeah, the Grizzlies are thinking about the future right now. They 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 made the playoffs last year. I think that was a welcome surprise for them, and they'd like to continue to build on that success. But they're not they're not ready to put a championship contender out there right now. And so, the, absolutely, I think that you're not going to see uh, the Grizzlies go get Corey Kispert to try to you know push them into two or three more wins in the season. They're going to go get a young guy and try to add to their core led by John Morant. And, and hope that down the road they have a, a team that could really compete for a championship. And that I think that's the mindset for most of these teams right now when you're drafting, especially in the top ten. Is this a guy who could actually help us be in a championship someday, even if it takes two or three years uh, for them to be in the position to do so?
0: Chad, as always, we appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for coming on and talking draft.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on the show.
0: Chad Ford, NBA draft expert, proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast. Thinks it's most likely the Jazz trade out of the first round. Roll that asset forward. And it makes sense. Provide a roster spot for a veteran. Save just a little bit of money. Uh, Assuming the Jazz are able to land Mike Conley. Money will be at a premium. Roster spot's already at a premium. And... Win-now modes suggest a veteran would be much more useful. More on the draft with Eric Walden coming up at 9 o'clock. Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.